radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> And welcoming open mic, where comedians can get substantial mic time for the mere price of a spot of tea and crumpets. Comedians who remain after initial sets are invited to perform feats of improvisation and ingenuity in the famous lightning round games, which are guaranteed to delight and entertain. Ah, thinking of these bright young comedians with so much potential and so many drug problems makes me as giddy as a schoolgirl. I haven't had so much fun and giggles since my non-trinary youth at Bumble's Warning School in East Brackenshire, where I danced with Hugh Grant, helped Jason Statham steal an antique shotgun, and took nude photos of Prince Harry, who I must mention was not named appropriately. Sign up in person for your own comedic adventures at 7.30pm, or pre-sign with the host by sending a direct message via social media. If you can't make it out to that den of iniquity known as MutinyRadio.fm, listen in live from home, or download the podcast on Apple iTunes under Friends of Mutiny. A smashing time will be had by all. Until next Saturday night at 8pm, cheerio. Back east they say he's leaving home every day Beating a hot old dusty way to the California line Across the desert sands they roll Getting out of that old dust bowl They think they're going to a sugar bowl But here's what they find Now the police at the port of entry say You're number 14,000 for today Oh, if you ain't got the do-re-mi you ain't got the do-re-mi Why, you better go back to beautiful Texas Oklahoma, Kansas, Georgia, Tennessee California is a garden of Eden A paradise to live in or see But believe it or not, you won't find it so hot If you ain't got the do-re-mi To buy you a home or farm that can't deal nobody harm Or take your vacation by the mountains or sea Don't swap your old cow for a car You better stay right where you are You better take this little tip from me Cause I look through the want ads every day But the headlines on the papers always say If you ain't got the do-re-me boys you ain't got the do-re-me Why, you better go back to beautiful Texas Oklahoma, Kansas, Georgia, Tennessee California is a garden of Eden A paradise to live in or see But believe it or not, you won't find it so hot If you ain't got the do-re-me
They call it Stormy Monday But Tuesday's just as bad They call it Stormy Monday But Tuesday's just as bad Good morning, mutineers. It's labor and love. Two things we can't deny. Yes, the eagle flies on Friday. And Saturday I go out to play. Friday and Saturday I go out to play Sunday I go to church then I kneel down and pray
Linda Tillery. Linda Tillery and the Spirit Band. This is the B, and you're tuned to Labor and Love Radio. Nice to have you on a Saturday morning, working the morning shift with you. Labor and Love Radio on Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street. We have a, an actual physical studio here corner of Florida and 21st, but Mutiny's much more than that. Mutiny is a community arts center for people who are trying to keep art alive in the mission. Is the mission breathing its last? No. Mutiny Radio is alive and well. Come on down. Come on down and get involved. This is the B. My name is Bill Morgan, and my show is Labor and Love Radio, and you're all welcome to sit down here. Let's see what we're going to talk about. 
get your coffee, come on and sit down, listen to some music of social significance, labor news, commentary and history by, for, and about working people, labor and love radio, where we tell you how it is. One person gets a dollar they didn't work for. Someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. You don't have a seat at the table, at the negotiating table where you work. You're on the menu. They're talking about you. They're talking about your life, your seconds, your minutes, your hours, your time here on earth. And you're not involved in it if you don't have a seat at the table or someone representing your point of view. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. So we started out with Linda Tillery in our opening set. Don't let nobody turn you around. Don't ever doubt yourself. If you're fighting for social justice and you're standing up for a better world for everyone. For that, we had one of our themes at the very beginning of this show, Stormy Monday, uh, by T-Bone Walker, was... Uh, one of our signature songs, the theme song for a while, and we changed and have since moved on. And before that, Woody Guthrie's version of his song, Do Re Mi. If you ain't got the Do Re Mi, boys, if you ain't got the Do Re Mi, you can go back to beautiful Texas. Oklahoma, Mississippi, Tennessee. And more and more, that's how our country, our society, our culture has become. If you got the do-re-mi, you're fine. If you don't, and most of us don't, not so good. Not so good. Whenever you, one of the, one of the uh, pillars of the market society is putting value on stuff. How much is this worth? What's its value? What's its labor value? What's its commodity value? And when you put a price on things, that means some people can afford it and some people can't. And okay, well, maybe, you know, you can't afford a trip to Hawaii whenever you want, or you can't afford to take a trip to Europe. Not so bad. You can live with that. But what if it's something like water? What if it's something like health care? And it has a price on it and you can't afford it. Well, if you ain't got the do-re-mi, you can go back to wherever the hell you came from. <laughs> In today's America. Okay, what do we got today? Well, we've got the labor beat on Facebook. Uber strike, Uber Lyft drivers strike just as Uber is going to declare its IPO. 
Rideshare platforms are designed to atomize workforces. Took drivers years to challenge Uber together, to organize, that is. Mother's Day coming up. Depending on how it, where you, when you celebrate, it was either yesterday or it's going to be Sunday. So we're going to talk about the mother of the uh, American labor movement, Mary Jones. Mary Harris Jones. Alessia Milano, actress, suggests a protest, a sex strike by women to stop abortion bills. Ha, ha, ha. Amazing. The Green New Deal needs labor support. We ask Sarah Nelson, head of the uh, Association of Flight Attendants and a prominent leader, Labor history today. Communists, how communists were kicked out of the unions in the late 40s. We're going to talk about the Taft-Hartley law, which led directly to that. Celebrating Eugene Victor Debs, who was imprisoned for a speech he made in May of 19... I'm going to say 17, 18. Imagine that, telling people not to be drafted. Okay. And we've got radio labor. And we've got our labor history feature. Okay, let's play some music, though, okay? It's Mother's Day. The nine-month blues, Miss Peggy Se- Miss Peggy? Mm, Peggy Seeger. Well, we cared and we cared as much as we could. We always agreed. Me and my man, we said, someday we'll try the family plan. The first thing we tried was nothing at all. Because the amateur ride and everything's here for. We charted my times. My moon, but then someday came a little too soon. I got the nine month of blues. Too much to gain, or too much to lose. But he was kind of happy when he heard my news. I got the nine month of blues. There was him and me, and the baby made three. But we made up our minds to stay that way. With little bitty things made of rubber and such. And cause we were friends, we decided to go Dutch. When we said, I do. The nine month of blues. I said, This time around, I'm gonna cast my stone. I'm gonna have a chance to call my life my own. About the SPC, the FBA, they said, Keep that child, don't fling it away. The doctor said he had the right to refuse. The law says, If you want to beat the noose, you gotta be rich or near to your grave. So away I went again. I'm a nine month rave. I got the nine month blues. And that time around, I got a mid I got the nine-month blues. 
give you an attitude and you a rock And take it out on me, but that's about enough You put your hands on me again, I put your ass in handcuffs I guess I fell so deep in love, I grew dependency I was too blind to see just how it was affecting me All that I knew is you was all the man I had And I was scared to let you go, even though you're treating me bad But I don't wanna see my kids see me getting beat Damn, my daddy smacking mommy all around You say I'm nothing without you, but I'm nothing with you A man don't really love you if he hits you This is my notice of the tool, I'm not taking it no more I'm not your personal whore, that's not what I'm here for Ain't nothing good gon' come to you till you do right by me Brother, you wait and sit in the bitch You and I Oh 
go a little longer set than normal radio labor's coming up uh, that was billy holiday with one of the aspects of motherhood of parenthood god bless the child that's got his own uh, before that u-n-i-t-y with queen latifah and from her um, hip-hop days when she was a rapper and a prominent one. Unity, who you calling a bitch? Before that, it doesn't get much better in my mind than Nina Simone singing the slow blues. The blues for mama. What a woman is, the things a woman has to deal with when her man leaves her and starts talking about her. And Peggy Seeger with her nine-month blues talking about the whole abortion situation from the point of view of a working woman, a working family. Uh, Don't you think we should have our own choice? It's our body. A lot of people don't. A lot of men think they know more about a woman's body than she does. They know more about what's growing inside of her or is not than she does. So they're going to tell, like in Georgia now. Six weeks out sometimes, what they call a heartbeat is can be detected. Six weeks. Sometimes women don't even know if they're pregnant six weeks out. But... These are, these are the same people who will talk about government power and how we need get government off our backs, get government out of the uterus of our women. Leave it up to them. It's their choice. Okay. Enough said. <laughs> no. Not enough said until women are free. Here's Radio Labor, the worldwide labor report. Labor. 
This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, May 10th, 2019. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, Uber and Lyft drivers around the world revolt against poor wages. How the International Labor Organization almost died. The Labor Start report about union events and singing. You gotta stand up. You gotta stand up. You gotta stand up for your rights. This is Radio Labor. The organizers are going to be at the foot of the bridges, greeting the cars, reminding everybody of our strike. That is Bedouri Desai, a taxi organizer in New York City. She was one of the unionists helping to organize an international strike against the ride-sharing companies Uber and Lyft on Wednesday, May 8th. Uber is opening itself to shareholder funding on the New York stock market and is expected to become valued at $100 billion. Uber and Lyft drivers went on strike in dozens of cities in the United States, Australia, South America, Canada, and the UK. Ms. Desai talked to Yahoo News about the situation in New York City where Uber has 70,000 vehicles. New York City has the largest taxi for hire industry in the entire country. Drivers collectively serve over a million people. Over 90% of drivers are immigrant, and you know, collectively they speak over 100 different languages. We're trying to settle some roots in this country and you know, earn a decent living from a hard day's work. Up until 2013, the New York City taxi for hire vehicle industry still served about a million passengers every single day. Then what started to happen after 2013, companies like Uber and Lyft came into town. Today, Uber has 70,000 affiliated vehicles, Uber alone. Meanwhile, there are 13,650 yellow cabs. The entire for hire vehicle sector, altogether in New York City, we now have over 130,000 vehicles all competing for the same set of fares. So how do you compete? It's impossible. It's a chokehold on the street. There were just stories of, you know, a, a deepening poverty, a fatigue, bankruptcies, foreclosures, evictions. We'd see our members just parked outside, sleeping in their cars for, you know, like the long periods of time. And we realized that that many of them were facing homelessness. Stories of, you know, people working like 14, 16 hour shifts. Uber and Lyft in 2016 spent more on lobbyists than Amazon, Walmart, and Microsoft combined in that same year. These companies are buying their way to monopolization at the expense of everybody else. It feels like city officials from the mayor down and, and his regulatory agency, they're afraid to take on these companies that spent $10 million in attack ads against them just three years ago. And since then, these companies' wealth has gotten, you know, a lot greater. You know, it's like, too bad. You can take a negative campaign for the moment, but it's absolutely morally bankrupt for you to expect workers to continue to suffer for years on end. 
they have to step up and do the right thing. How can you allow these companies to just remain unregulated for so long? In our campaign, we've been calling for policies that would protect full-time work for drivers in this industry, to pass comprehensive labor standards in this Uber, Lyft, new app market. We need a cap on the number of vehicles. 130,000 cars competing for the same set of fares is just not sustainable. Nobody wins. I don't like to go there and imagine what would happen if things don't change because, you know, I'm an old school organizer. I still think people have power and we have power over corporate America. I mean, we may not be in power as workers, but when we organize, we unleash our power. We're not sitting around waiting for the elected officials to show us courage and vision. We need the workers to rise up and do that for ourselves. Only then the elected officials will actually follow. The United Nations Agency focused on matters of work in the world is celebrating its 100th anniversary this year. The International Labor Organization, the ILO, was created in 1919 as a response to the horrors of the First World War. Representatives from governments, employer groups, and labor unions came together to create a tripartite organization. That means the three social partners, including unions, guide the ILO politically and managerially. The organization is strongly supported by the international labor movement. Guy Ryder, the director general of the ILO, is a former general secretary of the British Trades Union Congress, the TUC. He is the first unionist to lead the organization in its 100-year history. At a recent workshop of the Institute for Law and Justice in the United States, Mr. Ryder talked about the history of the organization and its efforts to renew itself as the world of work changes. The ILO has had its ups and downs over 100 years. We've had near-death experiences on several occasions. The first would be when the League of Nations crashed in the 1930s leading up to, to World War II. The ILO survived by a sort of an adventure story miracle. We packed the office up, drove down to Lisbon, got the boat and did exile of the Second World War at McGill University in Montreal. The United States didn't want us at that point, uh, so we went up, to, up across the border to Canada. That was one near-death experience. The second near-death experience was not an unpleasant experience, but when the UN came into being, I think there were thoughts about whether the ILO needed to be reworked or become something different from what it originally was. But the third near-death experience was actually, well, it was really the end of the Cold War. It was really the end of the Cold War, where basically we all remember the end of history sort of idea. You know, many people still saw the ILO as a protagonist, and, and that was its basic interest in the Cold War. You know, this was about taking on the Eastern Bloc uh, conception of labor and how labor uh, relates to the state. So once all of that was over, a lot of people, particularly on the employer's side of our house, said, well, what's the point of the ILO any longer? So we had to make a case for the ILO in the era of globalization that was then unfolding. And that was something very new for us, and it's not entirely comfortable for the organization. But recently, and I've been in the job now for about six or seven years, it struck me we're in a period when I think many people feel the world of work is undergoing transformative change. And this sounds, again, somewhat cliche-ridden, but with technology doing to the world of work what it is doing, 
with issues of climate change, issues of demography, there is a feeling that we have not simply to remain within the classic parameters and concepts of industrial relations as I grew up in. We have to have to look at the nature of work and the meaning of work in society because it's quite possible that work will be performed in ways which do not properly or easily fit in to the established concepts of labour and the institutions of labour that we, neither has been instrumental in this, have created over a century. Such fundamental questions are now being asked about how work is to be organised, not just the quantity of employment available, but what the organisation of work will be and how the social provisions we've made and the institutions we have developed will or will not be apposite to the new world of work that's been created. And there's a bit of a chicken, a chicken and egg in all of this, because basically I do think that the institutions we have properly adapted can shape the world of work that we want. And they don't have to be the passive variable in change at work. But there is an interesting dialectic going on here between the way the world of work is moving and the capacity of our institutions to shape it in the direction that we want it to go. So yes, we talk more about, and it's the key issue of the ILO centenary, the future of work, and properly so. But I wouldn't like you to run away from the conclusion that that means we're discarding or leaving behind us our proper responsibilities of industrial uh, relations, because I think the two are not mutually exclusive. Here with his report about union events around the world is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a tiny sample of the hundreds of union news stories in 31 languages added to our site each day last week. Our top story section included links to coverage of the global protests by Uber drivers in the lead-up to that company's initial public offering on the stock market, the International Monetary Fund's attack on workers in Ecuador, the release of journalists by the Myanmar military, and the kidnapping of the leader of Libya's oil workers' union. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. State employees' unions in France not only struck in a protest over proposed rollbacks to their working conditions, but held a rally in Paris which saw over 250,000 workers participate. Brazilian long-distance bus drivers were off the roads as they tried to win a wage increase at least equal to the rate of inflation. Municipal workers in South Africa escalated their wage dispute into a work stoppage this week. New Zealand's community services workers were off the job over wages this week as well. A long-running wage strike at a Mexican university ended Sunday in a clear victory for the workers. Financial transactions slowed in Lebanon as bank workers held a one-day warning strike. Bank workers in Canada and Lebanon were off the job in an effort to win wage increases. New Caledonian workers held a general one-day walkout to press their demand for more local hiring for positions in both the public and the private sectors. And doctors, dentists, and pharmacists in Tunisia walked out for a day to protest changes to the laws regulating their professions. Our top working women stories included coverage of the efforts being made by women workers to break the tradition of paying women a fixed percentage of what men make for doing the same agricultural labor, an Australian mining company that monitors women's toilet breaks, and on how the hashtag MeToo movement has been developing in the United States of America. 
the free health and safety newswire we offer in cooperation with Hazards Magazine, carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the criminal charges against a French telecom giant over the suicide of a number of its employees and the garment worker agitation for safer work in Ethiopia. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now here is Craig Tootin from Union Nation singing You Gotta Stand Up. Taking all that you're gonna take and the bosses keep you down. Know you're worth more than you make, but there's no more jobs in town. Want a union, but there's risks where the others stand as strong. Know the bosses shake your fists and they tell you that you're wrong. You gotta stand up, you gotta stand up, you gotta stand up for your rights. You gotta stand up, you gotta stand up, you gotta stand up. For your rights Well you gotta sign this cards Before anything gets done The fight is long and it will be hard But the race is worth the run Well back those bosses to the wall Till there's no place left to hide You gotta stand up You gotta stand up You gotta stand up For your rights Taking all that you're gonna take And the bosses keep you down You know you're worth more than you make But there's no more jobs in town You want a union, but there's risks Well, the others stand as strong You know the bosses shake their fists And they tell you that you're wrong you gotta stand up for your right You gotta stand up You gotta stand up And that's it. International labor news you can use. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. That was Radio Labor. Very interesting there. History of the uh, International Labor Organization. Uh, and the Uber and Lyft drivers. We'll get on to that in a minute. Let's get on to it right now. Why the Uber strike was a triumph. This is on Slate now. Rideshare platforms are designed to atomize workforces. It took drivers years to finally challenge Uber together. Uber. 
Signs here say, stop Uber wage theft. Rider pays $40. Driver gets $3. Did the Uber strike work? What were the workers trying to achieve? They could not possibly stop Uber's debut as a publicly traded company. Others lamented that only hundreds of drivers were in attendance at strike protests in the United States. Parents, many of them white-collar tech workers outside my children's school in suburban Silicon Valley, asked me, was it a success? Did the drivers get what they wanted? They seemed surprised when I told them I thought it was a triumph. Drivers' commissions were not raised. Either Uber nor Lyft implemented just cause deactivization or recognized the grassroots worker organization as a legitimate bargaining unit. One labor scholar and former taxi worker organizer who has researched the so-called gig economy, Vina Dubal, I, she says, it's Vina Dubal, when they strike was a huge unprecedented victory for service workers in the on-demand platform economy. Politicians, consumers, civil rights advocates, labor organizers, and drivers around the world stood together in a coordinated, organized rec action and collectively rejected an economic system built on human exploitation. Even those who did not physically participate in strikes joined the social media. At one point, three different Twitter hashtags related to the global strike were tending in the U.S. and through in-person conversations. So, Uber drivers struck. They demonstrated. They sort of blew away this sort of... Um, complacency of the IPO, the individual initial part something organization uh, IPO, okay. A company goes public and people buy the stock hoping to buy it low and sell it high. The people who already own stock sometimes make a premium, make a lot of money. That probably happened here. But the important thing now is another article that you might look at. That one was Slate. This one is in the New York Times. Strike all you want. Uber won't pay a living wage. And this writer is saying that Uber was never designed to pay a living wage. Uber was designed to exploit drivers to the point that Uber was a pioneer in investigating the upcoming driverless cars. So at Uber, the dream of uh, Uber uh, management is a lot of driverless cars, a lot of robots out there working, robots that don't get sick, that don't raise problems about their treatment, that don't want vacations, in other words, the perfect worker, right? <laughs> so uh, keep your eye on this. Um, 
Maybe Uber is meant to make a profit, but does that mean it has to rip off its drivers? They wouldn't be alone, huh, would they? Well, okay. Okay, we're back. This is um, Mother's Day. So honor your mother today or your partner who's a woman who has born children. In fact, honor all women and girls today. How's that? Uh, We'll play Sinead a little while later talking about how her uterus should not be a political football. But let's... Let's look at Mother Jones, and we're going to start out with Gene Autry, of all people. (laughs) Gene Autry, the singing cowboy from 1931, somehow ended up singing a song about one of the premier labor organizers in U.S. history or world history, the death of Mother Jones. Here it is. The death of Mother Jones Gloom and sorrow hovered Around the miner's home This grand old champion of labor Was known in every land She fought for right and justice She took an oversight the hills and through the valleys in every mining town mother jones was ready to help them she never turned them down on front with the striking miners she always could be found and received a hearty welcome in every mining town. Of every danger She hated that which was wrong She never gave up fighting Until her breath was gone This noble leader of labor Has gone to a better land While the hard-working miners They miss a guiding hand May the miners all work together To carry out her plan And bring back better conditions For every laboring man 
How about that? Gene Autry, The Singing Cowboy, that's from 1931, about the death of Mother Jones. So who's Mother Jones? Hmm. Let's see. Here's a little a little feature called The Most Dangerous now who Woman. of note in American history is Barry... By Utah Phillips. I was traveling through Illinois when I was invited to stop and sing at a memorial there in the little town of Mount Olive. Now who of note in American history is buried in the cemetery in Mount Olive, Illinois? I'll give you a hint. It was a woman. It was the Union Miners Cemetery. Do you have it yet? Mary Harris, Mary Harris Jones, Mother Jones. It's hard for the mind to encompass a life that embraced the presidencies between Andrew Jackson and Herbert Hoover. Why, when Mother Jones was a little girl, there were people still alive who remembered the Revolutionary War. And she died on the eve of the New Deal. Her millinery shop burned down in the Chicago fire, and she had heard Abraham Lincoln speak in person. Mostly, though, Mother Jones was the miner's friend. Down in Kentucky, Tennessee, West Virginia. Well, the men had be organizing the underground workers, the miners. Mother Jones had already organized their wives and led them over the snow-covered game trails down into the hollis, where, armed with mops and brooms, they drove the scabs out of the coal pits. Now, Mother Jones wasn't an organizer, she was an agitator, which meant often enough she was hated as much by the organizers as by the bosses. One time, Mother Jones was out in Colorado at the great Ludlow strike. Now that was a strike to enforce the eight-hour day, which the state of Colorado had made a law, but they couldn't enforce it because Rockefeller owned the militia. Now, the governor promised not to send the militia into the coal fields, but he lied, and he did. Mother Jones was in the union hall down there at Ludlow and word came that the militia had entered the coal fields. Well, she leapt up and she screamed, let's go get the sons of bitches. And she stormed out. She didn't look to see if anybody was following her. Nobody was following her. She just flounced up the road alone and confronted the militia. And that was the year that President Theodore Roosevelt called Mother Jones the most dangerous woman in America. And she was 83 years old. That's some kind of dangerous.
Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Mother Jones since she is such an important figure in labor history and uh, very influential, taking us back to a time when uh, labor and rank and file people were very sophisticated in their sense of being ripped off by their bosses. Mary Harris Jones. 1937, was an Irish-born American schoolteacher and dressmaker who became a prominent organized labor representative, community organizer, and activist. Helped co-find the IWW. She was born in County Cork, came to Chicago um, in the 1860s, Worked as a teacher and dressmaker. But after her husband and four children now, all died of yellow fever in 1867. So she lost not only her husband, but her four children died of yellow fever. Her dress shop was destroyed in the Chicago fire of 1871. That would break most people. Those three things happening in such close proximity. She became an organizer for the Knights of Labor and the United Mine Workers Union. From 1897 onward, she was known as Mother Jones. And yes, she was called the most dangerous woman in America for her success in organizing mine workers and their families against the mine owners. In 1903, to protest the tax enforcement of child labor laws in the Pennsylvania mines and silk mills. Remember now, young children working underground, working in silk mills and coal mines. 1903, to protest the tax enforcement of child labor laws, she organized a children's march from Philadelphia to the home of President Theodore Roosevelt in New York, which Roosevelt ducked. So, she was... She organized the March of the Mill Children, worked as an organizer, was prominent in several big strikes, as well as the Blair Miners' strike, the march, which verged on being an uprising of miners. Uh, didn't really believe in... Uh, Children suffer in uh, women's suffrage. Let's see if we can read about that. Mother Jones attempted to stop the miners from marching into Mingo County. She was afraid they would be murdered by U.S. troops, as they had been in 1877. Um, 
She was invited to meet face-to-face with the owner of the Ludlow, Colorado Mines. The meeting prompted Rockefeller to visit the Colorado Mines and introduce long-sought reforms. Jones was ideologically separated from many female activists. She was quoted as saying, you don't need to vote to raise hell. She believed it was more important to liberate the working class itself. Well, since some suffragettes accused her of being anti-women's rights, she clearly articulated herself, I'm not an anti to anything which brings freedom to my class. Charismatic and effective speaker, um, died in 1930, and we had Jean Autry to sing about her. Now, Autry was perhaps at that point a friend of the working class, but he became um, a very wealthy capitalist. And uh, if you're a baseball fan, there's a story of Autry sitting uh, on his horse, champion, getting ready to uh, <laughs> celebrate the victory of his. Uh, Los Angeles Angels in, I believe, 1980-81. And they lost, so he was unable to ride out and celebrate. Gene Autry singing about the death of Mother Jones, huh? Okay, these are the credos that we espouse here on this show. And of course, there are always people that you start talking to who say, oh, you're just not that into politics. I'm not into that. Could we talk about something else? Or I'm not into politics. This is from DSA, Democratic Socialists of America, Los Angeles. So you're just not that into politics. Your boss is. Your landlord is. Your insurance company is. And every day they use their political power to keep your pay low, raise your rent, and deny you coverage. It's time to get in the politics. It's time to get in the politics. They're out there working on you, trying to take more of your money, more of your time, and keep, keep their costs low, as we've witnessed, okay, with Uber and... Uh, most wage slave jobs. How about this one? 
This is from, I want to say, Jesse Memmer. Can I tell you a secret? Hmm? Can I tell you a secret? I don't even care if there are undocumented immigrants in this country. Without Social Security numbers, they aren't privy to the welfare people claim they get. The vast majority of them are normal people. Hello, normal people trying to live a better life. Huh? Why did your people come here? Why did your people come here? That's probably almost the same as why they're coming here. My people came from Ireland and Greece for a better life. Did they find it? Yeah, they were able to work. They were able to work and, and you know, dig themselves into a hole, sometimes succeed and buy things when those things were cheap enough. They're no longer cheap. The whole wall, deport the illegals bullshit is just the 1% convincing the working poor to blame a subset of the working poor for the fact that they're all poor. Instead of realizing the reason they're all poor is due to vast income inequality and resource price inflation in combination with wage stagnation. People are poor because they're not getting paid enough. Right? I mean, that's pretty basic, isn't it? Why are there homeless people on the street? They can't afford to pay rent. The existence of another poor person is not why you're poor. It's, it's because the people who control everything refuse to increase your wages. Hello? And one more. Well, one more. We've got another one. Not sure where it is, but the point of it is people who are against abortions, all they're doing. Women are going to keep getting abortions. Okay? Women will keep getting abortions. It's like... People will keep getting things that they need. But what's happening, this anti-abortion movement is just forcing abortion back into the back room with the hanger or those ugly situations that women have to go through, not to be forced into motherhood, not to be forced into basically signing away their lives. This next one is by Utah Phillips. Kids don't have a little brother working in the coal mine. They don't have a little sister coughing her lungs out in the looms of the big mill towns of the Northeast as they used to. Why? Because we organized. We broke the back of the sweatshops in this country. We have child labor laws. Those were not benevolent gifts from enlightened management. They were fought for, they were bled for, and they were died for by working people, by people like us, like you and me. Kids ought to know that. 
That's why I sing these songs. That's why I tell these stories, damn it. No root, no fruit. Here, here. Here, here. Okay. Mm, let's take a look here. What do we got on our list? How about something by Sinead O'Connor, now evidently living in New Jersey and having a serious problems. Sinead always very intense, demanding, red football. Hoop, pardon me. Looks like we got uh, Gene Autry mixed in there. You can go back to beautiful Texas. All right. got Doris Day in there. Okay. Here's Sinead with a red football. Coming right up. To be kicked around the garden, no, no. I'm a red Christmas tree ball, and I'm fragile. I'm not no animal, though I am to you. I'm not no crocodile, like the one in Dublin Zoo. Who lived in a cage the length and breadth of his body With a window which people would look through And throw coins on his back to taunt him though he couldn't move Even if he wanted to I'm not no animal in the zoo I'm not no whipping boy for you you may not treat me like you do i'm not no animal in the zoo my skin is not a 
football for you my head is not a football for you my body's not a football for you my Football for you, my heart is not a football for you. I'm not no animal in the zoo. This animal will jump up and eat you. I'm not no animal in the zoo, and I've every intention. Getting Sinead O'Connor Okay, Mother's Day This one is for a woman in my house who everyone calls mom Since I met you, baby, my whole life has changed. Since I met you, baby, my whole life has changed. And everybody tells me. Same. 
since I met you, baby, I'm a happy man. Since I met you, baby, I'm a happy man. I'm gonna try to please you. In every way I can This is for my mother Taking a, a personal shot
The Taft-Hartley law was passed by officially by lobbyists and attorneys of the National Association of Manufacturers. It outlawed the closed shop. In other words, a shop where you had to join the union in order to work. It increased the National Labor Relations Board, which had been somewhat friendly to workers up till then, from three to five members. Inaugurated the 80-day cooling-off period, or injunction, as a measure to, quote, protect the welfare of the nation. It removed the Federal Mediation and Conciliation Service from a sympathetic Department of Labor and made it an independent agency. Required unions to file financial reports with the Labor Department. Besides all the, the things they had to file anyway, force, here's the one, force labor leaders to swear under oath that they were not communists. Declared illegal the secondary boycott. But here's how it connects up with this beating of Maurice Travis. Um, the whole, whole idea of communists in the labor movement has been used as a red herring by our government and, and the allies of the rich in this country. Say, yeah, these are communists. Now, John L. Lewis was someone who, during the 30s, was politically conservative, but he also saw the effective organizing that communists had done in the 30s. And this is true all over the labor movement, including, including farm labor. In a lot of situations, it was communists who went out to organize those who people said were unorganizable. Okay, these were the people. Now, the problem was that some of them were slavishly affected by the Soviet Union, the leading, quote-unquote, communist power at the time. So, for example, in 1939, all of a sudden, Russia signed a pact with Nazi Germany. And uh, those communists who were affected by the Soviet Union, what the Soviet Union did, all decided that now that, that Nazi Germany was not the enemy after all. Well, a few months later, a couple of years later, when Hitler invaded Russia, these people all changed, and now Nazi Germany was the enemy. What this meant on the ground was that overnight after telling workers one thing, communist organizers getting orders from on high would instantly shift positions. This was especially true on foreign policy issues and on preparedness for World War II. There was a significant lack significant rank-and-file dissent in some unions about the communists that was somewhat ideological and somewhat about observing their behavior. So the CIO, after the war and the Taft-Hartley Act passed, 
the CIO realized that communists were not only no longer useful, but they were an anchor around the neck of the union movement. So they evicted them from the federation and set up new unions or used pre-existing ones to raid their locals. So this identification, you know, of communists and uh, ideas of the problem is that those were, in many cases, your most active and effective organizers. And the whole union movement at that time seemed to become much more corporate, especially the larger unions, AFL-CIO. Mine and Mill was among the communist-led unions, formerly the Western Federation of Miners, deeply committed to anti-racist organizing, as were many of the communist unions. They challenged white supremacy and capitalism simultaneously. So these were like a lot like the IWW, but uh, connected, at least in the public imagination, and certainly in a lot of situations, to Moscow, following the lead of uh, Moscow. So this man, Maurice Travis, uh, was beat up by CIO members and lost an eye. He was one of the communist organizers. So kind of a conundrum, you know. The IWW was a different situation. They were effective organizers. They went where no one else would go. But they were not communists. They were not connected to the Soviet Union. Today we distinguish with communists for a capital C. That's the member of the party that might follow the Soviet Union or communists with a lowercase c, people who believe in communist ideas but are not necessarily part of organizations who take their marching order from, for example, the Soviet Union. How much this is, a lot of people claim that that whole thing of communism was a red herring to get people uh, riled up against labor in general, against the labor movement. Who knows? Okay, not being there. But that was used. That was the Taft-Hartley law. All right, it's about time for us to get out of here now. I'm wishing you all a happy Mother's Day. If you're not a mother, go and honor a mother somewhere. Just see random women on the street and ask them. Ask them if they uh, are mothers. And if they are, honor them. Wish them a happy Mother's Day. Remember, your mother gave you life. The most valuable gift anyone can give is life. Okay, let's go out here with the dead. Cumberland Blues. 
one more night I can't sleep here no more Little Ben clock says quarter to eight You kept me up till four I gotta get down I gotta get down Or I can't work there no more Five dollar bill will keep him happy all the time. Some of the fellas making nothing at all, and you can hear him cry. Can I go, buddy? Can I go down? Take your shift at the man. Gotta get down to the Cumberland Mine. That's where I may spend my time. Okay, so this is the B, and we're just about ready to head out of here. Did I say punch the time clock? No. <laughs> Congratulations to the Golden State Warriors for a very heartening, unexpected uh, triumph in their game against uh, the Houston Rockets. This is the B. Remember, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, where you work, you're on the menu. And never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. When I say labor, I mean you. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. Come on down to Mutiny Radio 2781 21st Street. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get your voice. Express yourself. Let people know you're here. 
And this is Willie Dixon. It don't make sense, President Trump and all his cronies and all you people up there in government. It don't make sense if you can't make peace. It don't make sense. of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> My friends out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Mufi's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastics Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for... <laughs> it's in duty, this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen Summer Cottage on the Mountain Ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. Mm -hmm. 
Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show. One of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up an excellent mix of jazz, Latin, gospel, hip-hop, and traditional folk ballads. Great stuff. Check it out. Labor and Love is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Serve somebody. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. If you're looking for some delicious late night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside you can find counter offer, and my offering you amazing late night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit, it's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini, and creamy delicious 
very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads gonna come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Blender's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Welcome. Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5. Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, Punk Rock and Schlock delivers super fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter offer inside, frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Benders is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive in the mission. Benders Bar and Grill. This is Tushar Matos with Mute in the Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's joke workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 